This leader is provided to permit the projectionist to complete adjustment of focus and sound level before the film begins. Sounds like corporate life. Yeah, as always. Mm. What's been happening? Um, yeah, a lot. Um, as Tell you know, been, yeah, I've been struggling a lot with um, mental health and physical health for the last six months. Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's been a lot. Very tough times. Um, what do you think that? <laughs> it's funny like if we asked ourselves in march yeah <laughs> you know what i mean if 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 we asked this is the situation mm. i'd tell you bullshit right now but yeah. um, here we are um what do you what do you think was the um what do you think is set, set it off like what what do you is it was it going back to subconscious behavior? What, what, what do you, what, what, what do you think was the, um, um, I to guess. be honest, it was the, obviously some people's personalities are more, I guess, perfectionist types and they have more tendencies okay. to become a bit more extreme, to take things a bit more extreme than others. Yep. Um, so it comes down to personality, but there are other aspects that lead to this that are very much embedded in our society. Um, diet culture being one of them, um, yep. and um, our society and system. These are like systemic issues. Mm. Um, and I, I can talk about this for a long, long time because the more I've researched, the more I've read, the more therapy I've gone into, the more I've talked to dietitians, um, the more apparent it has become how systemic these things are and yep. how detrimental they are to people's health, mental and physical. Correct. Um, so basically my story is that uh, and I've shared some of this with you previously. Um, so, um, growing up, I was always a little bit more on the heavier side uh, by society standards, uh, slightly more heavier side of uh, things, but that's just, yeah. that's genetics, right? My family, it runs in my family. Uh, people come in different sizes and some people's genetics are just the way they are. And you can't do too much about that. Um, so I think people forget how my genetics play a role. Um, then what happened was I was diagnosed with a chronic condition and that, that condition does not have a, a cure. But you can manage the symptoms um, through diet and exercise. And there's no like, there are some medication you can take to manage the symptoms again but they don't go into the root cause because there's no um, cure, essentially. Um, what's, so, the, what's the condition? Uh, it's called PCOS. PCOS. Yeah, so it's a, it's a fertility condition, polycystic 
um, ovarian syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it happens to people who have ovaries, that is people who are women. Um, so, and I was told at the time, because there's so such little research done on this condition and because there's no cure, um, I was given very little information on how to manage it. I was just told, you just need to lose weight. And I'm not one of, I'm, I'm not a, an extreme, like I'm not a one-off case. Lots and lots of women these days are being diagnosed with this condition and majority of them are being told just lose weight. And that is it. So I was determined, right? I was struggling mentally, physically, and I was like, okay, I've been diagnosed with a health condition that is a chronic health condition. I'll have it for the rest of my life. And I need to, the only way to manage it is to lose weight. That's what I've been told. And then they also, then more research came out saying, um, because it's kind of like a pre-diabetes condition because it has a lot of similar symptoms and issues associated with people that have diabetes, like yep. insulin resistance, yep. uh, which is what diabetic people have um, and things like that. So um, I was told to cut out carbs essentially because carbs means insulin is going to rise in your body and that's bad because you already have a lot of insulin resistance in the body with this condition turns out none of these things are true the more research more recent research says that that's absolutely wrong and you should be eating carbs like obviously eating the more healthy carbs like whole grains and things like that you know fruit vegetables whole grains uh, beans like chickpeas etc so these things are completely wrong but at the time because there's such little research and crap information has been given out to people I said okay that's it I've got to lose weight and I've got to cut carbs these are two things I've got to do I'm going to change my lifestyle I'm going to change my diet um, and guess what I did so I told you I lost over 35 kilos and that's how I managed to do it yeah yeah uh, and I've shown you, like, you know, remember the before and after photo I showed you as well some time ago. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that. That, that is what I did. So I was able to lose a lot of shit ton of weight. But because the health system, doctors, people out there, they give out, you know, incorrect advice. The advice should not have been lose weight because increasingly people are taking, associating with lower body. Lower body means you are healthy. Lower body means you are at low risk of getting all these other diseases. But when you look at the research that's been done in exercise science, and when you look at the scientific research that's been done over the years on how to manage obesity rates, how to manage, um, you know, all these crap, all the diseases that happen, it's not actually the weight that's correlated with higher disease. It's actually lifestyle that's correlated with higher disease. And mm. it just so happens that most people whose lifestyles are not great are also bigger bodies. Do you know what I mean? But the actual weight, your weight has nothing to do with that or has very little to do with that. So there, there's something called a set weight or a set weight range that everybody has and everybody's set weight range is different. Okay. And it, it comes down to so many factors, it comes down to your height, your age, 
your metabolism, how much muscle you have, and most importantly, comes down to genetics. And yep. some people are just bigger in their bodies, and that's just how it is, right? You can artificially try to, if this is your set weight and you are here, you can try and lose weight and come back to your set weight, or sometimes you can try and go down even further, right? But at some stage, if you are here and your set weight is here, your body is going to rebel. Your body is going to rebel against you. And it's going to say, I can't function here. I can't absolutely function here. Um, I will shut down the, what it considers the non-important parts of your body because it needs to preserve the more important parts of your body, like your brain and your vital organs that keep you alive every day. So in women, what that happens is if you are here and your body set weight is here, this is like the optimal range in which your body functions the best it can or the best it does. In women, what that happens is it shuts down things like your reproductive organs. So girls start losing their period or the girls start having irregular periods. Like it's not, you know, regular. Um, people start having sleep issues, people start having digestive issues because these, what the body does is going and saying, I need to, I'm not getting enough nutrients at this weight. So I will need to start preserving as many nutrients as I can from whatever you're eating so that I need to, yeah, basically keep you alive. I will do everything. It goes into survival mode, essentially. Now, people know what anorexia is, right? People can easily see that somebody's skin and bones, they might look at them and say, this is not your set weight, you should be much higher. This is not okay, mm. this is not good for your body. And people can see that straight away. But right. the problem is society's um, standards or society, what society thinks as acceptable and unacceptable are wrong. And this, this set weight and being below or above your set weight, as I said, is different for everyone. So somebody might actually be in a bigger body and their set weight might be higher than somebody else who's of the same age, same height, right? But let's say there's somebody who's like my height and I'm quite small, right? So I'm like five feet, two inches. So if you put, plug in my data in, you know, my fitness pal or whatever other macro calculators, you might come up and say, oh, you need like 1700 calories as your BMR, as your basal metabolic rate is how much you need just to survive. And your set weight is like, I don't know, 55 kilos or something. And, but this is not true because we are all different. Now, somebody else with the same statistics as me, who's also 5'10", who also age, uh, you know, mid-20s, who's also uh, a female, that doesn't mean all of us should be weighing around 55 kilos and all of our set weight might be around 55 kilos. That's not how that works. Even if we are the same age, the same size, uh, the same gender and everything. Mm. So what that might happen is if there's somebody else who's got the same statistics as me, maybe her set weight is 63 kilos. But mm. if you look at the BMI chart, right? You look at the base of uh, the BMI chart, you might look at 63 kilos and go, you are overweight. 
they might look at that and say, according to the BMI, you are classified as overweight, you need to now lose weight. But that's not okay for that, for that person to then go and lose weight. She might do any, everything in her willpower to come down to 55 kilos, but that's when her body is going to start rebelling against her and is going to go, sorry, but I cannot function at this weight range. I cannot function at the amount of calories you're eating to maintain this 55 kilos. I function best when you are slightly heavier. And that's just how it is. And people don't accept that. And, you know, if you look at it uh, from her perspective, waiting 50, weighing at 55 kilos for somebody who functions best at around 63, for her, that's actually anorexia. And it may not look like anorexia because I weigh 55 kilos and I look fine, right? It's not anorexic based on society standards. And that's what I mean by diet culture. That's what I mean by calculate your macros, calculate your calories. You should look a certain way. You should you know, that's what people do. And mm. that's, I mean, there are so many studies about how eating below um, your certain, a certain level of calories is so bad for you. There's this chart which graphs like mortality rate. So how long you live based on uh, kind of your BMI or your, your weight. Uh, based on your gender and all of that, you know, height and all of that. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a, what, what usually happens is here when you are very low weight, uh, I might actually draw this if it's possible to do that. Maybe not. Um, so if you're at a very, very low rate, if you're in that middle zone where it's like, you know, plus or minus, 10 kilos yep. it's showing an increased mortality rate as in you live longer if you are within that range yep. then if you start getting to a very very high high area it starts to decrease which is what people say oh obesity is going to kill you because you are so so high above um, that you're going to start you might be at greater risk of all these diseases cancer blah 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 and so you might actually die early so then the graph starts to fall the graph starts to fall. However, on the lower end of the spectrum is when, if you weigh well below what you should optimally weigh, um, that's actually worse. So what it's saying is if you weigh well below um, your set weight or your set weight range, I should say, it's not, it's not a set weight as in it should not be like 55 kilos. It might be like plus or minus five kilos. It's a range, it's not a weight mm -hmm. specific. Um, and it says that that mortality rate is actually way higher for some weight than the obesity rate. So what it's saying is the risk of being underweight are higher, like the risk of you dying early, your mortality rate is much lower uh, if you are underweight than it is if you are overweight. Why do overweight people still live for a, quite a long time? Like you don't see, unless somebody's like ridiculously obese, even overweight, overweight by what society standards of overweight, 
um, people live a really long time. And it's because being underweight is actually more risky than being really, really overweight. Mm. Does that make sense? And yeah. of course, there is a point where if you are ridiculously obese, you will, your life expectancy will fall and you will die probably early. Um, but that's not the case. Like there are so, just so many um, myths out there and the fitness industry, I believe, really, really plays a huge role in this. Mm. People are always like you as a personal trainer. If somebody comes to you and says, look, I want to lose weight. You know, you can say, sure, I'll help you lose five kilos by, I don't know, whatever, however much time, three months, six months. Um, but really, personal trainers, eight-week challenges, 12-week challenges, uh, our society being told how to look, all of this is playing a huge role in people eating well below what they should be. And that's when you create such disordered and unhealthy relationship with food. Um, people go crazy, like especially women I've seen. Um, my behaviors were so unhealthy. And you know what? I didn't even realize it. And so many people do the same kind of behaviors that yeah. they're, they're almost normal. It's so normal to count calories. It's so normal to count macros. It's so normal to say, oh shit, I ate too much. I better do an extra session this week or sure. I better, um, you know, cut down on, uh, I might skip a meal. I might just eat some really, really, you know, low calorie food for the next week. Like you beat yourself up and you compensate. And when other people see you do that, it's so normal in our society. They don't even think twice. They actually think, oh, she's being healthy. Oh, she's taking care of her body. But these are such absolutely bad behaviors uh, that contribute to eating disorders, that contribute to um, mm. bad relationship with yourself, with your body, with food. And, you know, one of the big, big, um, effects of an eating disorder or even just disordered relationship with food is massive preoccupation with how you look and how much you're eating, what you're eating. Um, I got to a point where there's something called orthorexia, which is an obsession with eating clean, clean foods only. Um, orthorexia, O-R-T-H-O. Yeah. And Rexia, R E X I A, um, mm. which is an obsession with eating what you think is healthy food only. And if somebody thinks that healthy food is eating only whatever you cook at home, you can never eat anything that you get from a restaurant, cafe, or you never eat out uh, because they've got too much fat in them they've got too much oil they've got too much cheese or whatever you know all these other fatty things yeah um then can you think about what that person's life is going to be like they're never going to be able to enjoy any social activity any social uh moment in their life and if they do force themselves to go out and eat at a restaurant or a cafe catch up with friends or family um they are so obsessed with oh my god how much calories are in this food what am i 
what am I actually ordering? How much calories are in it? How much fat? How much carbs? How much protein? Uh, what are the macros? Oh my God, I've eaten way too much. Now I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel ashamed. Tomorrow I'm going to either throw up if, if they've got anorexia uh, kind of symptoms, they might throw up, they might compensate in other ways, they might punish themselves through over-exercising, through under-eating the next day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, binging is such a common, common um, effect of uh, disordered eating or eating disorders. Um, and people, again, think binging is such a common thing. Like, oh, I'm just looking after myself, so I'm going to say no to all these foods that I think are bad or unhealthy. But it's like in you, you still get a craving. You know, you might get a craving for your favorite foods like chocolate or pizza or whatever, pasta, you know, all these things. And we demonize them. And human psychology is that the things you say that you will cut out from your life, you know, your peanut butters, your chocolates, your this or that, um, are the very things you will want. You know, it's like you, if you take something away from a child, the child will want exactly that. And we are all like that. Humans are like that. We would say tomorrow I'm going to cut out everything. All the junk food from my house is just going to go away. And guess what? You're going to think about exactly those junk foods in your life. And then it's going to come to a point where you can't uh, keep your cravings away from that particular food anymore. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to go and you're going to get that food and you're going to binge on it. You're going to eat very, very large portions of that food because you restricted yourself. It's this restrict and binge cycle. Basically, anything you will restrict is what you will most likely going to binge on later on. Whereas if you allow and give yourself full permission to eat these foods whenever you want to, you might actually eat less of these things. But by that, I mean, if my bad food is cookies, right? I say, there's no way I can eat cookies. There's so much sugar. There's so much fat in it. And I say, tomorrow I'm going to cut it out. But if I just allowed myself to eat cookies whenever I want to, I'll probably eat a very small portion of it. But that, I mean, is like, I feel like, oh, I'm getting a craving for cookies. I have some cookies at home. And I think, oh, yeah, these look nice. These might, you know, uh, satisfy me because it sounds delicious. I feel like eating it. And I might just eat one or two cookies. And then that's enough to satisfy me. That's enough to satisfy my sweet tooth or whatever craving I'm feeling. And then I move on with my damn life. You know, I can do other things in life and, you know, spend more time, uh, you know, with my family, with my friends, with, on my work and doing other things in my life. But what happens if I restrict it? If I restrict it, I see a cookie and I'm going, holy shit, no, 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 I want this cookie, but I can't eat it because it's bad. It is junk food. It is full of sugar. It's full of this and that. And I've labeled it as bad food. And then, but I'm going to keep thinking about it. I'm going to go off and do something else. But in the back of my head, I'm going to keep thinking, damn, that cookie sounds really delicious. I really want to eat it, right? Like it's in your kitchen and you know, you can't stop thinking about it. Um, Mm. And then you might restrict and then go, okay, clearly I feel like eating something sweet. So maybe I'll just go have a, 
a protein shake because you know protein shake has chocolate maybe that'll do the trick and at least I'll get some protein in then you have a protein shake it doesn't quite hit the mark then I might go have some strawberries doesn't quite hit the mark you know you eat all these other things to try and um, curb your craving for that one damn cookie that was in your kitchen mm. but at the end of the day, are you satisfied? No, because really your craving was for a cookie and now you've gone off and eaten all these other things, a cookie flavored protein powder, a cookie flavored this or that, but it wasn't the original cookie, so it didn't satisfy you. And then what you're gonna do? You're gonna be like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go and eat that cookie. Yes, and do you think you're gonna stop at one or two cookies? No, you're gonna eat the entire packet. You're gonna eat the entire damn packet. You're gonna binge on it because you restricted it. You restricted it mentally or you restricted it physically by removing it from your house initially. And that's what happens. And also, guess what? At the end of the day, because you've gone off and eaten all these other things, you've also now eaten well over your calorie requirements for the day. Because you now you've gone off and had protein, you've gone off and had strawberries, you've gone off and had this and that. And at the end of the day, you've gone, fuck it, I'm going to eat that cookie anyway. And you've eaten the whole packet of cookies. How's that going to make your body feel? It's not going to be great. And now you spend all this time thinking about the food, expending your energy about this one damn piece of cookie when you could have just eaten it, satisfied your craving and continued on with your life. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know what exactly. So that's what this, these are what I call disordered and what experts call disordered relationships with food. Binging mm. is not supposed to happen. And binging is seen as such a common thing um, in our society. And people mm -hmm. don't realize it's actually because, because it's actually a very disordered relationship with your food. Wow. And people don't realize that you're not supposed to look a certain way and you're just supposed to accept the way you look. Now that's not to say that you, that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you should never lose weight or you should never think about, um, you know, bettering yourself bettering your health you can absolutely do that but know that at the end of the day your weight may or may not shift the, the thing is you have to change your lifestyle you have to try and eat healthier foods most of the time like the 80 20 rule right you eat healthy foods 80 percent of the time 20 percent of the time you have these more fun foods like cookies and whatnot and move your body in a way that feels good to you. Like people, when they think I need to uh, do some more exercise, they think they always go to the gym, which is fine to do. Like it's fine to heavy, lift heavy weights or do cardio, but that's not what everybody enjoys. You have to think of something that's sustainable as well. Like you have to think about, um, okay, I really liked playing tennis when I was in boarding school. Maybe I can start doing tennis again. That's still good. That's still good fitness. Um, you can go swimming. You can go cycling. You can go and do a dance class. You can do martial arts. You, there's so many options. Why is it always go to the gym? But even not to say that if gym is truly what you enjoy doing, you should do that. But uh, by all means, do that. But find something that you enjoy doing. Because if you enjoy doing it, it's more likely you're going to be able to keep it up for the rest of your life, right? You're going to feel enjoyment, satisfaction out of those things. And you're going to probably do it for many years. 
Whereas if you force yourself to do something that you don't enjoy, you'll do it for some time, but then you're going to, that's why people fall off track, you know? Yeah. So there's that as well. So like move your body, eat well, most of the time, don't restrict yourself. If you feel like pizza, eat the damn pizza, feel like chocolate, eat the damn chocolate, you know, but your body is so self-regulating. It will let you eat all varieties of food and you'll actually crave it like once you start eating or you allow yourself to eat like cookies and whatnot whenever you want your body will automatically start craving for the salads and the more healthier food as well because ultimately the body doesn't want to live off on pizza every day like what will happen if i said lock you gotta eat pizza all day every day for every single meal you're gonna be like oh yeah that's great and you might do that for a week and then you're going to be like, I'm so fucking sick of pizza, man. I can't yeah. keep this up anymore. And that's yeah. exactly what the body does. You might go, great, you know, chocolate every day. But then ultimately, you're going to get so sick of it. Your body's automatically going to crave a salad or whatever. Mm. So bodies are so intelligent. We just have to trust our bodies. And people have yeah. stopped trusting their bodies. Mm. And really, really listen to yourself. Listen to what your body is saying. Oh, I enjoy this food. I like this kind of texture. I like, you know, hot foods in winter because it's comforting. And cold salads in summer because that's refreshing. You know, why do we eat different foods seasonally? Why do we eat, um, you know, hot foods in winter and colder foods in summer? Like, that's our body telling us that, you know, why do we crave these things seasonally that's our body giving us hunger cues and it's telling us hey this is what will feel good right now and we just have to learn to trust that a little bit more you know Mm. and not artificially try to say no you can't do that no you can't do that no i must do this and this and this yeah absolutely yeah so that's what it's all about it's just having a more holistic lifestyle and then understanding that hey, if I make these changes, if I do more movement throughout the day, throughout the week, and if I eat like, you know, 80-20 rule, eat eight good food 80% of the time, fine food 20% of the time, then just know that the weight may come off, but it may not come off either because maybe that's your set weight. Maybe it's fine. And you just have to learn to accept that. People have to learn to accept that, that if I make healthy changes and healthy habits maybe the weight will come off a little bit because maybe you were above your set weight but maybe it might not come off and actually maybe it might go up because maybe right now you are too low correct yeah absolutely and that's what it's about and we and the bmi like don't even get me started on the bmi (laughs) it is We already know, like, bodybuilders know BMI is not a good indicator for them because they have too much muscle, right? Like, we all know this. But what people don't also know is BMI is so bad for just uh, measuring the general population, even general population, people who are not bodybuilders. Mm. um, It's actually Mm. completely incorrect with what it says people are under or overweight is not right at all. And it's actually extremely racist because... The BMI was um, developed by this one guy back in the 1800s or something, something really long time ago. So first of all, it's not even current. Yeah. And the people that it used to to create the BMI 
um, were white males. There was no any other minority group or groups in there. No African Americans, no Asians, no older people, younger people, nothing. White, healthy males. And how can you say that this should apply to the whole entire 7 billion people? You can't say that. There are genetically differences between groups, between racial groups, between uh, minority groups and white people. Like, I have some genetic uh, compositions uh, as an Indian that you do not have. And that a white person of the same age as me, uh, a white girl of the same age and height as me, is going to be fundamentally genetically very different to me, even though we weigh the same, we look the same, um, but we come from different races and our genetics are very different. And yeah. like there are uh, Africans and Asians, I mean, not all Asians, sorry. We know like, you know, there's that stereotype of like, oh, Asians are generally very thin people. Why is yeah. that? It's because that's the genetics. Yeah, you know, exactly. they eat all this rice, they eat rice and rice and rice, but they never gain any weight because mm. that's just how it is, right? Mm. But Indians, we are actually, our set weight most of the time is actually much higher than a white people's weight. And you mm. should accept that. So we have to understand that there's this fundamental diversity between groups of people as well. So if you can't, if you try and get everybody to look the same and weigh the same, it's not right because then certain groups are falling well under their set weight and it's not healthy for them to be at that weight. Oh, yeah. you know, some groups can't look like your white people because sorry, it's, that's just not their genetics. Mm. And even within white people, you can't have some people think that, uh, you know, you need to look a certain way and you should be weighing around this. Uh, it's not, or your BMI should be this or your body fat should be this. Like, we can't do that. We can't do that. We just have to accept that <clears throat> wherever your body falls is where it falls and you have to learn to accept how your body is. Mm. Um, all you need to do is work on your lifestyle because that has so many benefits to your overall physical and mental health. You know, move your body every day in a way that feels good to you and eat good things 80% of the time, but still allow yourself to eat those fun foods 20% of the time. And that it's just balance. Like it's nothing magical, you know, it's just have a balance. That's all it is. And oh my God, look, like I could send you so many resources on all of this. I can tell you how the BMI is racist because... And I, I can tell it, you yeah. why people fear the big body. Like, why do people fear large bodies? Why do we say large bodies are unhealthy bodies? Mm. Um, and that has racist roots as well, because they used to fear the black body. And blacks, you know, Africans, African-Americans, they generally have big bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Think about, think about mm. the males. Think about the black athletes, why are they so tall and so muscly? But even think about the females, like even the females are much bigger. Yeah, so right? fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna stop it there because I've got to, um, I've got to, I've got to run another interview at two. Oh, good. I've got uh, a meeting at two as well. Oh, that works out well. Dude, I love your passion. There's so much in it. Um, yeah. I'm gonna stop that so I can reference that later.